Hi, my name is Nick Thompson and I run holisticvet.co.uk. We're based near Bath in England. I'm Dr. Brendan Clark. I'm based at Towerwood Vets in West Yorkshire. And my name's Dr. Connor Brady, the non-vet of the gang from dogsbirth.ie. And together we are the Raw Pet Medics. <laughs> Guys, forgive me. I have a feeling he's going to be in brain fog. He's forgetting places. A little bit. Yeah, I am. I don't even know where Chicago is. Uh-oh. It's just outside uh, Birmingham, isn't it? What's wrong with you, Nick? I've got the dreaded COVID. You got the COVID? Wasn't me. Wasn't me. Yeah, don't worry. It's not transmissible through here. So I'm feeling right. If I start coughing, then you'll know why. And if I sound like Louis Armstrong, you'll also know why. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not too bad in myself. It's just um, yeah, well, it's added a kind of a richer kind of tone to your voice. I think it, I like it. Well, make the most of it. Do deep and sexy voices. Very white. So, lads, um, I don't know if you saw this thing going around, um, but I put up a post there uh, about four or five days ago, uh, and thousands of shares it got about this very funny bug that's going around in dogs. Have you guys got much experience of this really strange GI, very strange GI bug in dogs? And uh, have you guys any experience of it in clinic? What's going on? Do you want to just get chatting a bit about that just to ease the people into uh, what would be our FAQ night? I haven't heard anything about it, just to clear my hand, oh, no. to be honest. Okay. Oh. Bren, if you, because you're on so, the front line. You, what, yeah, so we've got anything? front line side for the clinic, definitely. And we have, through uh, late December, through January and beginning of February, um, we had a massive hotspot. I mean, through January, every other patient, every other dog that came through um, had this vomiting and diarrhea bug. So very wow. much... Equivalently, almost like the um, sort of norovirus equivalent, but in the canine world. So for the majority, it was causing you know, 24 to 48 hours of vomiting, would mm. resolve, that was it. Cross-vaccined versus non-vaccinated, cross-age groups. Um, yeah. There was some suggestion that it was parvo or a theory of R of parvo that was coming through. Um, but I think there's not been any positives that we've seen um, in those cases. And it, it just doesn't scream right because it's not just young dogs. It's all yeah. ages. That's um, right. Now, we are seeing some dogs which get uh, more diarrhea, so a GI upset, okay, and they'll end up with longer-term diarrhea following these episodes, um, maybe even up two weeks uh, in some cases, but I think those cases have been the ones with previous GI problems, uh, so that's gastrointestinal problems. Um, the other things that have been talked about, so just prior to these episodes, um, down the north um, east coast of Great Britain, there was a lot of wildlife um, die-off, fish and some seals and a few other things that... Uh, um, had a big problem. And there was a bit of a mix-up as to whether it was related to that. Nick's yeah. dying in the corner. Yeah, don't worry about uh... me. Bren, I, on the, I got hundreds of comments under that. And uh, it was a, I was one of my 
people I was helping there during the week and a couple of days after speaking to her, a dog was viciously sick. And I was like, that's very unusual. And because you're trying to do a new thing, it's like, was it the diet? And I said, this doesn't sound like it. It's explosive diarrhea. And uh, it turns out in Northern Ireland, and I put up a post then thinking, guys, there's a very funny bug around here is what I would do. But I started getting people from all over the place, France, Germany, um, England, Wales, Scotland. They all had different reasons. Maybe it was wildlife. Maybe it was uh, off this, this, the, the, the Northeast. There was something up there. Uh, but here's the interesting thing that this, this is where I'm going with this. So a lot of different reasons, all different dogs. Most of it resolves quite quickly after two or three days of pretty bad sickness, a lot of lethargy, a lot of, um, you know. So anyway, very sick dogs. First thing, but we'll come back to it, is like, do you guys mind that somebody brings in a dog with this vicious virus in it when he goes to the clinic? Would you rather they ring ahead? Before you answer that, before I forget, I speak to another client over in Texas. They have this beautiful old dog that I was trying to help. And she said, it's very funny because he came down with this terrible gastro uh, GI issues. Uh, and he's secluded on a 50-acre farm in Texas and he never leaves it. And he's the only dog on this and he hasn't been out for ages. And I thought, well, that's very funny because this is happening in Texas that I've heard as well that I've been reading. And he said, did you see that New York Times uh, piece there from a couple of weeks ago with 50% of the white-tailed deer in the U.S. now of Omicron? And I'm like, wow. ooh, and I'm, wow. I'm interested. He says, because I've got a savage amount of white deer on my property. We've, we're the only watering hole for 100 kilometers. And we've got this, you got, we've got coyotes and white-tailed deer. He goes, like, we live in a spectacular area. He showed me pictures. He's talking to me. So I get to Googling. And it's all through, like, remember it started with the mink and then it was like mm -hmm. hamsters and somewhere. And then it was like, well, cats and dogs can get. But now it turns out zoo animals and large populations of herbivores are being riddled with us. And I'm wondering, because this guy feeds a savage amount of venison to his dog. And I thought, I thought whoa, what's going on here, guys? And I just, I've just put it out there. We started talking about COVID. Absolutely. No, it's great. Because actually, that is one of the um, investigations that's actually going on in the Yorkshire region. Ah. was because of other coronaviruses in dogs. It actually does have um, a predilection for the GI tract. And so it was being thought of. Is there another coronavirus, not necessarily related to the human one, okay, that was causing this? So that's also being looked at. It's a lot harder to get identifiers for those so that you can determine exactly what's going on. And, you know, there's no general central body that's sort of funding that stuff. Other yeah. than the people like Sabsnet occasionally will, you know, push a little bit of money that way. Um, and I think it's it's really interesting because obviously it also coincided with that big boost in Omicron through the human population. And, mm. you know, there's so many people pointing out about, oh, the risk of you catching something from your dog. I think we should be pointing out the risk of your dog catching something from you. Yeah. Um, so it yeah. is, um, stay away from my dog in the park. Please don't kiss him. You might give him something. Did you <laughs> notice whether there was any difference between the raw dogs and the other Dogs fed Ooh. in other ways. Uh, it was hitting across the board. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I wish I could say oh. it was all of this, but it definitely wasn't. Yeah, there's loads of people pointing fingers at raw dogs, but I was saying, well, there's loads of dogs that aren't raw fed that are getting this problem. So please don't start saying there's a problem with a certain food or something like that because it's. Uh, definitely yeah, nothing has been identified. They, they were the first thoughts. I'm actually sharing this this piece from the New York Times on our uh, Facebook page as we speak, just so people can have a look at it themselves on the white-tailed deer bit. It's just bloody interesting here running around with Omicron. Who would have thought of us, you know? So, uh, uh, so just before we forget, you can find us on patreon.com forward slash raw pet medics. Uh, that's where we put up some of our stuff, but it's definitely what keeps the show on the road. You can afford the price of a cup of coffee. 
or dare we say a pint. Absolutely, we would appreciate that um, on a kind of a on a monthly basis if you can, just for once if you need to, whatever works. If you can't, we are here every month, so it doesn't matter a damn. But uh, we appreciate all the patrons on that. That's been growing for us and it's been uh, really good. I just wanted to get that out before before we started. Um, so could I say something about uh, uh, something that an Irish vet said to me about Lyme's disease? Could I start off with one of mine, guys? Yeah, or is yeah, there anything yeah. you wanted to is there, is there anything you guys wanted to say? There's, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about Addison's and Cushing's, I think. There was a little bit of query about leishmaniasis. That's, gonna, that's probably going to come through and... Uh, that's going to probably see us through till uh, quarter to eight with no problem. Yeah, but a, a, a Irish vet contacted me and she said, would uh, Bren and Nick please tell us something uh, that uh, vets can do to diagnose uh, Lyme disease? So this is a tick-borne uh, issue and um, starts off as a, as, a, as a virus, I believe. Is it a virus? Bacterium. Bacterium, okay. It's, uh, it's a virochete, so it's very ah. much close to the leptospirosis we were talking about last yeah. week. yeah. And it's actually, they call it Lyme disease and co-infections now because it's not just one thing that comes through now or Lyme disease causes such an issue in your body that it decimates the immune system because it hides out this little bugger and you can't find him. And if the, if the immune system senses he's in the kidneys, it'll zap the kidneys and next thing you have, a, you have this autoimmune condition building. And uh, so it hides out. And as your immune system plummets from inside you where you have all sorts of things living and waiting, uh, there may be the argument that it, it comes not from the actual uh, the initial bite from the pig, but from inside you. Anyway, so guys, how could a vet possibly diagnose Lyme disease? Uh, have any of you ever seen a case of Lyme disease? How do you diagnose it? A vet in Ireland is listening and wants some info. <laughs> there you go. Okay, uh, look, you know, Borrelia burgdorferi, which is, uh, you know, this horrible spirochete that causes Lyme, that is effectively brought through um, from the blood of deer, um, taken into the tick. It sits there. The next deer that they feed on, they spew up after a number of hours, usually 24 to 48 hours. And that is how the bacterium is passed. And there is, um, unfortunately, other mammals, including us, can pick up those ticks and have that Borrelia um, put into our systems and it sets up a reaction. Now, um, there's a very famous person who got um, uh, who caught this. Uh, you've heard of Ray Mears, okay? Very much an outdoorsy person. Um, he had it, I think it was 15 to 20 years of waxing and waning disease with flu-like mm. symptoms before they finally diagnosed him with Lyme's disease. And, uh, you know, look, this is a really common, along with many others, a really common disease in North America. Um, it is something that does affect. So we, we tend to look at um, predilection sites in geography to where it's warm, wet, they're going to have the wildlife populations and the sort of hot spots. And I think Savsnet does do a, a, a map um, for the UK. Um, yeah. Of these, so it's very much the sort of West Highlands um, down through the Lake District, down through West Wales, um, down through into um, the um, Bodmin Moor, Dartmoor, across the bottom through the New Forest, okay, from the, across the bottom of the South Coast, and then up into Stratford Forest. So that's pretty much if you're going out of area on holidays into those areas in the UK, and there are similar areas in Ireland. Uh, you would say, be really tick aware. Okay, mm. so get the little tick removers, 
remove every tick, don't think, oh, it will be okay. It is one reason why I will, in certain circumstances, at certain times of year, so if the temperature is above 10 degrees, night and day, for more than three days, expect ticks to be out, okay? Mm. Um, and I would say, be aware that's one reason why I will go back to some conventional tick prevention in those hotspots uh, for those. And there's certain ones that I will use and there's certain ones that I'll avoid. Um, I have had people get 90% improvements with all of the complementary stuff we talked about earlier last year um, with options, but it's a risk that you're going to get 10% of ticks carrying that disease. You've got to make an informed choice about what you're going to yeah. use in those circumstances. They, they tested the ticks in the UK, did a massive sample, and they found at worst 1.5% of them could be carrying the nasty. So you have to be unlucky. You have to be, but the thing is, you probably yeah. get bitten a few times. Uh, things like, as Bren was saying, if you are in, a, in an area and you're concerned at a certain time of year, uh, the, the advice is to wear, uh, is why people wear longer socks. Pull up your socks, put your jeans into your sock. Don't show uh, calves. Calves would be the most likely place you're going to pick it up. So you hide your bottom half of your legs. But also getting takeaway, brushing down your legs after a walk. Simple as that. Just brush your hands through the, the, to the, any exposed skin. You're lying down the picnic, then it's a, it's a body thing. So these are the sort of things you need to wear. But I think it's more the symptoms you need to be aware. You see a strange yeah. rash. That's only 60% of the cases. Uh, so, uh, but there, it's this. Uh, coming back to dogs. Let's come back oh, to yeah, dogs yeah. for a moment. You know, you've got to understand, and uh, there's a book that I mentioned last year, Toxic, um, Lyme's disease is in there, a really good, good review of why chronic inflammation can be set up by this disease. It's a really good bacterium hiding from the immune system. The immune system effectively walling it off with loads of inflammation, which leads to lots of other symptoms, but hides it from being then detected um, yeah. uh, and, you know, destroyed. And that's the problem that we've got is often a waxing and waning disease that mm -hmm. is, you know, mystifying in, well, why isn't it going up? And that the classic PCR tests, great if you're in an acute phase with lots of Borrelia and low levels of inflammation. But as soon as you've gone into a more chronic inflammatory condition, it seems to be very bad, very hard to diagnose from those typical PCRs. Yeah. My suggestion would be if there's the slightest risk then you get the dog onto amoxicillin or doxycycline and then and and you know in order to just in case yeah because otherwise six months down the line you've yeah. still got you've still got borrelia yeah. and that when you get into really dangerous territory so my thought is you go to see the vet and say it might be i think it might be ticks uh please can we put them on a on a uh, uh, an amoxicillin four weeks just in case uh, while we do some testing, obviously you want to get a first blood where you go onto uh, onto the uh, amoxicillin. But yeah, that would be yeah. we're weighing yeah. our use of antibiotics. Yeah. Tell yeah. me in, yeah. in those circumstances. And let's face it, it's just like leptospirosis. Yeah, you know, you've got that three month of you know antibody titer, mm. and then naturally it disappears. It's yeah. just gone. And it's yeah. you know very similar if you if you miss that curve with limes. It's really hard to detect. Yeah. Before we talk about co conventional treatments that you would recommend, there's mm -hmm. Lynn Hobbs there and uh, and Lorraine uh, Cheshire asking questions. I've got a few things here. Uh, okay. So first of all, I've got to say because Ellie's my wife, she makes 
Dermadog. So it's called Insect Defense Spray. And had I thought, I would have got a, a bottle. So if you've got a small dog, this, this stuff is great. It's only a small bottle, though. So the cedar side, which you can get from Amazon or wherever you fancy, um, that it comes in, you can get it in five-gallon things. And so it's more wow. economic if you've got lots of dogs or if you've got big dogs. So uh, number one is you've got to use something on the outside. And those two would be my top two. But I always use something on the inside. And the one that I use, Vermex, make a herb powder called Flea and Tip, easy to remember. And I would suggest that's really good on the inside. I would only use it from when it starts to get warm, but I don't know, now-ish, uh, through till October. And then you, then you stop through the winter. Uh, hopefully, you're not going to get any. And so you just have this kind of nine, ten-month pattern of, of, of prevention and then not at all. There are some reasons, re regions which are more tick prone, but what I've noticed is that some dogs are more tick and flea prone. Do you imagine if you us, us three sitting outside having a drink in in the in the summer, one of us is going to get attacked by mosquitoes, and the other two may not. Okay, and that's really common. I think it's to do with your, the microbiome on your skin and uh, pheromones and all that kind of stuff, but. I think there are some dogs, you can send two dogs into a woods, one will come out with three thick and one will come out nothing at all. Yeah. Really, really, really yeah. significant. Okay, so that's, that's two things. Treat the outside, treat the inside. If you're worried, get to the vet and say, my dogs get have ticks on holiday, I'm really scared, they've changed behavior, blah, blah, blah. Get some treatment. Here's, here's a, a wild card that you're really going to like here, boys and girls. These are electromagnetic beads, okay? Now, I say this with my tongue firmly in my cheek because I can't believe that they might work. You can, you can get them online if you just look, look them up. They're like little mini loo yeah. rolls, but they're made of ceramic, okay? And fish, fish aquatic guys use it, and they pass water through it, and it, and it, and it um, filters the water. But what, what you can do, and I've actually done this for my... My mother-in-law, who is a tick magnet, she's one of these people who attracts ticks like mad. So I said, right, I, I'm going to experiment on you. So I made, I made a necklace of these things. There's about, I don't know, 30 doodars, wound a thing and made it in thing. And she, had, she, and she had tried it last summer. She didn't get a tick last summer. Uh, I, I, I got the idea from a client who's got a couple of dogs in the New Forest and she's for years, they've always had ticks. She started using these. She made a, a collar for the dogs out of these, and she hasn't had any since. That interesting. Is zero science, but 3,000% interesting. I do also know, and somebody's you know, put out there, some of the herbal formulas that we've talked about tonight, uh, certainly for worms in the past, you know, they're not 100%, and you should always test against those things and not just blindly give it. Uh, and then hope that it's working, always test. And I would say, if you are using these products, even if they are effective, don't blindly go into a Lyme's disease area and just say, well, they're having these products, so I don't need to bother to look at my dog. Yeah. Please, please, please take a tick book on an evening with a bright torch and go over them like a fine tooth comb to double check that you've got all the nymphs and the ticks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a number of YouTube videos on how to remove tick, but these little plastic tools, uh, self-promotion, I give out one of these with every order we give out because I hate ticks more than anything on the planet. 
So uh, they're little plastic scoops and there's a few different sizes, but you get them and you give them a slow little twist because he's got little barbs on, on his mouth. Now, do you guys agree with that slow little twist before you lever him out? As some people are saying, you don't do a slow little twist uh, and YouTube is lighting up with people breaking up families. So who says you don't do it? Who's getting animated about this? Uh, I always do the three twists and find yeah. that they, they come off. I think, Nick, you had this theory yeah, last we, year that... We did discuss this last year, and I think it doesn't make any difference. As long as you're careful, because yeah. uh, so, so, the, the trendy way nowadays is just pull them straight out. Yeah, so I hate there's, there's a dispute as to whether you even do the twist yeah. thing at all, because they're going to be pretty upset until yeah. they're going to puke to a certain extent some of their horribleness back into yeah. you. Yeah. If you just look at them in the wrong way, they'll do yeah. that. So yeah, I think you just do your best and get them off as gently as possible. Somebody yeah. was asking, what are these things called? They're called EM ceramic um, beads. Be EM beads. It came up in the feed a few times just before you started talking, somebody was saying beads. So you're definitely not alone with that, Nick. So you're not weird. Yeah, a few people yeah. have, have uh, yeah. suggested they've had the same experience, which is really, uh, really reassuring. We should get all our guys here to do, to do some kind of trial, you know, if you want yeah. to try it and you've got a dog who may be a bit prone to ticks, then let's just, just... You could allocate 10 of them and we'll just do alphabetically A to C's, have to go to a tick prone area and roll around in their shorts until they pick up a few tick points <laughs> and we'll cover them in natural treatment and we'll see who gets bitten less or I guess less attachment, something like that. It has to be very cost effective, so no trains, buses. And it has to be people, break. not the dog, because we're not going to do experiments on no, dogs. I'm not going to so. hurt a dog, for God's sake. Yeah, yeah, so no, so no, <laughs> people in short shorts. <laughs> yeah, you have to be honest. Okay, it's gone off on one. Um, guys, we're half an hour in and we've only done Lyme's disease, and the two, or, two or three other things we want to get done was Addison's keeps coming up, Vish keeps coming up. Uh, is, can, can, where do we start with that? I know nothing about Addison's. Where, Okay. Off with uh, well, let's differentiate Addison's and Cushing's first. Okay, okay. two um, hormonal diseases affecting the adrenal glands. Um, people will often see if their dog's coat is thinning, they will jump onto the bandwagon of, is this Cushing's? Okay, because that's almost uh, their, their go-to. There are some other complicating uh, hormonal diseases to do with estrogens and um, you know, the androgens from... Uh, the sex hormones that can cause similar problems. There are also consequences to having Cushing's, uh, such as diabetes, um, also uh, disseminated intravascular coagulopathies. Um, there's calcinosis cutis and often lots of skin allergy type appearances, but it's like yeast overgrowths, bacterial overgrowths, um, mm. so causing dermatitis. So that's why Cushing's is often any skin disease, they'll start to in investigate an excess of body steroid. Sometimes forms from a tumor within the adrenal gland. Sometimes it's a small tumor within the um, pituitary gland, which is secreting more um, hormone, which stimulates more um, steroids from the adrenal gland. So that pushings, it's all generally around tumors growths, sometimes benign tumor growths, and often benign tumor growths, but because they release hormone, they have a body-wide effect. Now, this is an immune-mediated disease, so very much like thyroid in dogs. It's where the immune system is activated against the hormone-releasing cells within the adrenal glands and effectively um, destroys those hormones 
uh, from circulating around the body, and that's why you get a decrease. So often symptoms will be weakness, um, vomiting, um, they get a low level of potassium, okay, sorry, wrong way around, high level of potassium, isn't it? Um, so they uh, effectively, their heart will slow um, and they can be, go into hypovolemic shock. So just think if your dog collapses almost um, intermittently and goes into the vets in a collapsed state um, and they can't identify an infectious cause or anything like that um, and no other hemorrhage or bleed, then Addison starts to climb up the list. Um, wow. Usually they may do a test dose with a dexamethasone and if the dog springs back to life, um, having had that shot, um, then usually they will start to investigate Addison's in more detail. So basically there's a ratio around 27, uh, so sodium, potassium, and if that flips, so you go below 27, so the potassium is, is climbing, then ultimately they start to suspect Addison. Well, I understand that it can be a tumour for uh, Cushing's. What kicks off Addison's? So we think there must be a genetic trait, but as with all of these, that could be a predisposition. So, for instance, standard poodles are high on the Addison's list, okay? Uh, there's also bearded collies were up there as well to be investigated. But I also think that could be epigenetic and it could be inflammation setting off the immune system and things going wrong. So we talked about immune-mediated diseases in the past. If something glues onto a normal cell surface and the antibody isn't filtered out enough and it actually cross-reacts with the thing that's glued on and the normal cell surface or the normal molecule surface, those antibodies, when that other glued on thing no longer is present, there's enough of them, they will still attack the normal material that's in there. There is a special mechanism that should filter out those type of antibodies, okay, so that or the cells that produce them, so that they don't cause those problems. There are some breeds that have a problem with that filter, and therefore they can start to produce um, reactions to their own tissues more readily. People will often often ask me, oh, my dog's got Cushing's, my dog's got Addison's. Is is uh, will raw food help? My my explanation for that is no, not specifically. Beyond the fact that you've got um, you've got hormone disease, and therefore a great diet is really important. In fact, a great diet is really important with any disease. So beyond improving general immunity and general um, health. It, there isn't anything that one can do specifically diet-wise. Now, there are homeopathics. Hormones respond really well to homeopathic, either high, uh, high um, cortisol or low cortisol disease. They, they, they're really, really nice, actually. Um, herbs can be very useful in both of those situations. But um, I think getting the diagnosis and stabilizing the patient initially is really, really important, yeah, especially with Addison's, because believe it or not, we all need a little bit of steroid to help us with shock. Yeah, if I shock the hell out of you, Connor, it's your cortisol which stops you falling over, and so you need a you need a a, a good measure, a, a, a yeah. good a, a, a wee bit, just a, you know, a little yeah. pulse of, of of steroid just to get you through that. And this is how these drugs collapse: is that you you say boo to them, or no, you 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 
traumatize them. Yeah, you get like ah, and they they will fall over because they just can't. They can't That's cope, crazy cope with the with the stress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Surely for Addison's, right? Just, uh, nutritionally, though, if Addison's is a, is like the underproduction of these hormones, surely feeding dried adrenal would be a way to do it. I mean, you can buy adrenal gland online. There's studies to show that it, it is effective for various different pieces. Would adrenal gland knock them into it as a as a part of the diet? Yes, inflammatory bowel disease, inflammatory disease of any description. Uh, yes, you get vomiting and diarrhea, and that's why they will sometimes look at IBD and, and Addison's and try and differentiate those. But the other thing to remember is where the diet can come in is if you can heal the gut and reduce the inflammation, will you reduce the level of bits that are gluing onto the normal cells and causing that cross-reaction? and therefore instigating heightened levels of autoimmune disease, okay? And if you can reduce that, then of course you could reduce thyroid disease. You could reduce uh, the incidence of Addison's and certainly reduce the startup of those diseases. So I do think there is a place for nutrition in those diseases. But as Nick said, there are other things to control the results that I think probably need to be instigated to save the dog's lives rather than necessarily just saying, oh, we'll just change the diet and it will miraculously disappear. Yeah, it's kind of, it's the same question. It doesn't matter what disease you say to me, I will never recommend burger and chips as a way of getting over it. So it's like, there's always a role for fresh food, good quality nutrition, healthy, good flora, and so many other things that come from like good quality fats. I mean, normal vitamins and minerals, give me a break. So there's never a reason to go for some, for some stale, low antioxidant. You know, in, in my opinion, I'm going to push this adrenal gland thing once more. I read an interesting paper there last week. Taught, we were looking at hypothyroidism, and I'm saying uh, there was a nice study that showed uh, humans that took dried thyroid uh, supplements reduced their need of thyroxine very, very quickly, and they had less of the whatever symptoms they are, less uh, of the nasty symptoms for longer after taking thyroid. And I just thought there's surely something in it. It's called organotherapy. We're all always going on about it. But maybe we know so little about it. Like the adrenal gland seems like a risky one, doesn't it? It seems like a very potent thing to be yeah. adding in. But dogs eat it. They eat whole rabbits. You know what I mean? They eat adrenal glands just in moderation and, and a very small amount. I wonder if there's something to that. I'm going to look afterwards. If I find anything, I'll, I'll, I'll share it from the book. We're pretty twitchy ever since mad cow disease. Of course. We're really twitchy about feeding glandular material, whereas in the yeah. state where they didn't seem to have it quite as much, um, they are much more gung ho about feeding organs. They're, yeah. they're, they're big, yeah. actually. It's it's within the holistic community. Yeah. It's really yeah. really big, and in New Zealand and places like that. New Zealand, actually, yeah. There's a big product called Four Rover or Shamrock. People will know that. Please put it up on the list. But uh, and people kept directing me to it, and it's coming from New Zealand, and they yeah. sell it exclusively in New Zealand, and and it contains adrenal gland and thyroid. And I thought, wow. Yeah. Uh, I, like it's cool. It has a but all in proportion, liver, kidney, heart, in the, in the, you know, and a tiny bit of adrenal, a pituitary. And I was like, ooh, that is cool. Nothing exists on the UK market if anybody's listening. Uh, two people are asking the same question there right after each other. Guys, what conventional treatment do you recommend for tick? What's the safest one? As long as they're MDR1 gene negative, okay, so they don't have an MDR1 gene, I use NexGuard not with milbamycin, NexGuard on its own, okay? Uh, and the fact is, I only use it if the, those dogs are going into a risk area. So don't use it blanket across. Use it. I only use it in those circumstances. 
uh, somebody said about MDR1, they're not risky to the dog, they might be risky to you. Yeah, if you put advocate on your dog and you then go and stroke your dog, you are then advocated by definition. Yeah, you've and got bodies. pesticide on your hands. So when you pick up that nice, juicy, organic apple, it ain't organic anymore because you're ingesting it and you're stroking your, your, your kids and, you know, preparing mm -hmm. dinner and stuff like that. So I don't, I think there is a no easy way to get around that, you know, and you're either intoxicating the dog with next guard, but I better for one month, three or for 12 months, yeah, the, the manufacturers say use next guard for, for, for their entire life, every month for their entire life. That's what they would like you to do, which I think is just absolutely yeah. Un, yeah. Un, unexplicable. Yeah. On, you on know. Christmas, Christmas Day, there's your next yeah. card, buddy. Happy Christmas. Last, last tick-related thing, guys, but just specifically and briefly in relation to the vet who was asking, how do you diagnose a dog with Lyme disease? What's the specific things you look for? What's the test you use? Where do you go uh, with that blood sample? Bren, is there a lab you use? Is there something you're definitely looking for? So if you're lucky, okay, and this is something else really interesting. If you're lucky when you um, start to unravel some of the inflammation, so you use N-acetylcysteine, you use dimethylglycine, you use some of the other um, things that will heal the gut and reduce the inflammation, you will suddenly start to see a reemergence of these organisms into the stream, and you can start to pick them up on PCR in patients. Uh, there's weird and wonderful, you know, doing spinal taps, looking for, for all of these organisms. I mean, somebody's set a whole list of the things that you get in North America alongside limes. You know, it is horrendous, the amount of diseases there. And sometimes it isn't a case of looking for the actual organism. It's looking for the level of inflammation, the level of other problems. If you've got somebody who does a reliable bioresonance options, I think that's really useful. And I've certainly used those in certain circumstances and then responded with complementary medicines, which have revealed a massive improvement. Now, the difficulty with bioresonance is they don't necessarily show the actual disease. They show symptoms of the disease. And when we're using some of the other complementaries, we're matching against those symptoms of disease. So that can be why they resolve so well. So it is out there. It's a real problem with diagnosing. I am no guru to say this is the best way to diagnose it. I think look at the symptom picture, where those pets have been for how long, and, and then look at the likelihood. Um, you know, treating, you know, incidence levels, again, you're going to have to see where you've been to look at those because they vary so much across the country. I think if I was in West Yorkshire and I had some of these varying disease and I'd not been out of West Yorkshire and never a tick on my body, I wouldn't be necessarily saying to a doctor, can I have some amoxicillin and Dr. Gare, you know, Dr. Cillin, uh, cycling. I would not say that that's high on my list. However, if I've been rolling around in the woods and the lakes and I've got <laughs> loads of, uh, you know, inflammatory problems in my life, then I might suggest that that's, uh, you know, something that will come to light. Yep. Connor, I think, I think what we're saying is to talk to your local lab it's going to depend whether you're in the States, whether you're in Ireland, whether you're in the UK. Talk to your get your vet to talk to the local lab and be guided by them. And they'll probably say, send us a blood. It might have to be prepared in a certain way, but they'll send, send us a blood and we'll, we'll, we'll do it. Yeah. You might have to repeat that a month later. But it's not 
difficult really to, okay. to diagnose these things if the thing is if there is something to find the lab will probably find yeah. it not yeah. guaranteed but they will probably find it or they'll okay. there'll be a workaround they'll look for antibodies to the borrelia yeah um, but that's what these. I think. Uh, why wouldn't we be able to send blood from a dog to Armand Labs in Germany and just say, you know, check that one out? Why would I have to tell you if it's a human or a dog? What would it matter? Yeah, They're but, obviously looking for. I would have thought antibodies, but maybe I'm sure there's a whole host. You fill in the form like they've got 30, 40, 50 infections. They used to tick the box because each one costs 20, 30 quid, and you're going, oh my god, I've got 500 euro here, and I can't even get all my my tests on. They say, well, what's the most What's the most likely ones you want to look at? And you're, you're leaving 80, 90% on the list. So I heard it's a very daunting thing to do when you're by yourself if the doctor doesn't support you. Because if the doctor doesn't believe what you have of Lyme disease, which is very common, 300,000 people a year in America, I just read there, 230,000 people in Europe, and they reckon that's a gross underestimate. The help page, by if anybody's confused and wants to look, learn more about uh, TikTok, always called TikTok. So TikTok Ireland, TikTok UK. And you'll get really helpful people on, on the Facebook pages. I would say just be wary. The really bad cases are on Facebook because they're looking for help all the time. And generally, when you get good news and you're fixed, you wander away. So it can seem quite, oh, my God, this is terrible. So you get some really bad cases because you can be left in, you know, in, with various organ issues and all sorts of things. But um, there's great help. There's people there that will take you under their wing in a heartbeat and advise you what to do. So uh, Just finally, guys. Um my daughter, Ophelia, she actually got uh, a tick bite about two years ago. And much against my desire, we decided to give her three weeks of antibiotic. Yeah, she went on amoxicillin for about a week. She then reacted to that. And then she went on to something else because she was only about like six, six years old at the time because she had the, the classic target Mm. lesion on her arm and i thought i would rather oh yeah get her over the antibiotic yeah. and deal with long-term lyme disease we've got a lady up the road here who's had lyme's disease for about 20 years um yeah that's what i'm saying get in there get in yeah. there early and then start working out yeah. what you've got i i would say they call it the great, the great imitator, although that also sounds like a whole lot, lot of other diseases we just spoke about tonight. But they call Lyme's disease specifically the, the great imitator because it looks like everything. You can have issues in your skin. You can have NS symptoms where you're, you know, you've got nerve, uh, nerve uh, issues. You, your feet, legs can fall asleep. It hits you in the head. And so many people are told by their doctor that it's, um, uh, what's it, when your brain invents it for you, uh, it's all in your head. Psychogenic. Yes. And uh, a third of Lyme's disease people have been called up by the doctor. It's like, look, it, this isn't anything but what you are making up. And the thing is, if you have inflammation in your brain, perhaps it is driving you a little bit mad. And so it is immensely complicated, but it just needs that diagnosis. Where it's like, oh, we found these bodies and these other bodies again on this. There's actually loads of natural treatments you can take now. And new treatments were just found there two months ago as well, which hit all the medical news uh, pages and new two new types of drugs, which is sorting out Lyme's disease. Um, so, yeah, that was, that's what uh, brought that Lyme disease uh, thing back up to the top for, for us. Okay, look, I've got a dash. I thought that was brilliant. Mm -hmm. uh, that was very, very interesting. Right. Uh, yeah. I've got so many questions on my page. I didn't get to any of them tonight. I've got a lot of raw feeding questions. People have questions about diet, how quick, like, do they need to worry about vitamin and mineral balance, how quick does it pop up, bone contents. So maybe we need to do another night on, on actual old school nutrition or diet. We said we were going to do antibiotics. Yes, we are. Let's do yeah. We've got a Q&A next month. So let's promise to do it more diet-oriented. Diet yeah. yeah. uh, 
I will do a couple of posts just because we said we'd discuss leishmaniasis. I'll do a little post um, uh, tonight on leishmaniasis so you know what leishmaniasis is. Uh, yeah. For those that want to have particular interest on that and a link. Take care. Thanks everyone okay. for coming. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys. <laughs>